It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 Three one three eight one four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. Good evening. Welcome to the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, December 6th. We appreciate you joining us on the program tonight as we look to God's Word to study what He has revealed for us in it tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, good to be with you tonight, as always, on Thursday night for the Virtual Bible Study. And we're looking forward to your participation on the program tonight. The number to call is toll-free tonight. We'll pay the bill at 877-381-4567. Or email your questions or comments to questions at collegeview.com. Those are the two ways you can participate in the program tonight, and we look forward to your participation. Dad, you preached a couple of sermons here recently at the College View Church of Christ that uh, I wanted to talk about. You had a series on the providence of God, and it is a subject that's not considered very often and uh, is an important subject and a very interesting subject. And so I want to talk about that tonight on the program and looking forward to our listeners' participation as we talk about the providence of God. I think it is an important subject. I believe, it, as you said, I think it's interesting to note what the Bible teaches us about God's working in the affairs of men and nations. And we we think that we have some good information in the scriptures concerning this and uh, explaining this uh, aspect of God's working. So we want to look to that and see what we can discover from the scriptures tonight. Earlier today, uh, to our update list, we sent out a couple of email questions, and we've got some feedback. We'd like to get some more. If you're listening tonight and you have not yet responded, here's a couple questions we put out. Number one, what do you feel is the best example in the Bible of God's providence at work? In other words, I, I believe, and I think we can look to find some examples of God working providentially. We're going we're gonna to define that here in just a minute. But uh, as you understand God's providence, what do you think is the best example in the Bible of that uh, actually taking place? That's question one. Question two does God work providentially today? Now, if we're able to establish that he did in the Bible, is he still doing so today in the affairs of men and nations? And if so, if God is working, the follow-up part of that question is, is there a danger that we might interfere by something that we might do? Uh, the example that has been raised, Jacob, you mentioned this to me. Some people say, you know, maybe we should not be voting in elections because we might be interfering with God trying to bring about something you know he may be trying to get something to happen providentially he may be trying to cause something to occur and we might be stepping in his way if we would do something like vote in an election or something of that nature it could be so what are your thoughts about that and about god's providence you know as we talk about god's providence i'm afraid that uh, sometimes we put some handcuffs on god and uh, a lot of people i'm afraid feel like god just isn't involved at all in our lives and that simply is not the case uh, maybe maybe some people even get sort of depressed or discouraged thinking that, you know, God is sort of like this uh, celestial watchmaker or clockmaker who has he's he's put all this intricate thing together and wound it up. And then he's just taken off and, and he's just letting it run on its own without any interaction from him at all. 
that he's just put it all in motion and he's not doing anything further after he got it all set up and put in motion. I think that's a wrong view. I believe the Bible will teach, and we'll look to some verses here in a minute. I believe the Bible will teach us that God is active in the affairs of men today. In our in our personal lives, I believe that we can have the confidence that he is present and participating. Well, it's repeatedly uh, mentioned in the scriptures that God is involved in our lives, and if we are to negate that and say that God is not involved providentially in our lives personally, then we have to ignore so many scriptures that t- tell us exactly that he does that. Yeah, actually, just from a logical point of view, I, I would argue that if God is not working today, then basically prayer would be a fruitless endeavor. I mean, it, it actually would be illogical. Why would we pray and ask him for certain blessings and to address certain needs to him, as the Bible says we're supposed to do? Why would we pray if he's not active and therefore is not going to respond because he's not doing anything? That doesn't make sense. What do you think about it? 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. But as we talk about providence, we can take it too far, and some have taken it too far when they're talking about the providence of God. Well, I think we've got to point out that that when we're talking about providence, we're talking about the non-miraculous working of God. And we've got to stress, we've talked before in the virtual Bible study about the fact that There are not miracles happening in the world today. Understand the definition of miracle is a supernatural event. We're saying there are no supernatural events. A supernatural event, a miracle of of the type described in the Bible would be things like Jesus walking on water, Jesus instantaneously turning water to wine, uh, blind people seeing, deaf people hearing, lame people walking, dead people being raised, uh, feeding thousands of people with a handful of food, those kinds of supernatural events, although we certainly believe that they happened as recorded in the Bible, we also believe the Bible teaches they are not happening today. And so when we say that God is active, we are not proposing that he is somehow suspending the laws of nature and doing supernatural or miraculous events in the world today. The Bible teaches he is not. Well, and there are some who say that God is responsible for everything in their lives, good or bad, and certainly that would be taking the, the idea of God's providence too far as well. Well, that would almost go to the extreme of saying, you know, that we're, everything is predestined or foreordained and that we don't even have any moral choice, so that, that we're just sort of pre-programmed robots, and the Bible definitely doesn't teach that either. And uh, God would be responsible for evil and sin in in our lives and in the world around us if we were to take that view. Yeah, we've pointed out before, and we have we have discussed the idea of predestination or foreordination before. And and basically, one of the fallacies of that doctrine is that you've got you've got to then say that God is responsible for for wickedness and evil. And if you want a good sampling of that, go back into January of this year and Shirley Phelps Roper of the Westboro Baptist Church would be one who would propose that. We interviewed her and uh, she would say that God is responsible for all the sin and evil in the world as well. And that would be going too far, this idea of the providence of God. So let us know your thoughts at 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. We want to know what you think and your thoughts are about providence. Tell us what you believe the Bible says about God's providence and God's activity and action in our lives personally and in the world around us. We're looking forward to hearing from you. Jacob, let's just point out to start our discussion on providence that... uh, the Bible certainly, uh, first of all, to define providence. We just said that it's not a miraculous working of God. We don't believe God's working miracles in the world today. We believe he did in the past, but not today. 
and and that's and and we're not trying to handcuff God on that. We're not we're not putting limits on God. God said that about Himself, uh, and His Word teaches that. So First Corinthians thirteen, first the latter part of that chapter. But yeah, First Corinthians thirteen, beginning at verse eight, down to the end of the chapter, teaches that miracles were to end, and says they would end when His complete revelation was made known to mankind, and it is now known, and therefore miracles are not happening today. Uh, that's clear. But God is working, and therefore he's working in natural means, within the scope of natural events and laws that he himself has established. God is working. And the Bible teaches that he's doing that. For instance, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 45, it says, He maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. Notice, those are present active verbs. He makes the sun to rise. He sends the rain. And so that verse, and that's a statement by Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, in which Jesus is attributing to God his direct action in causing the natural events of of life to occur. And so if he is active doing that, then we've proven the fact that God is active in the world just by simply looking at at the weather. God is in control of that, and he is active in that, but it gets even more than that. Well, there's several other verses. We could look to Acts chapter 14, verse 17 where the Apostle Paul said, Nevertheless, God left not himself without witness in that he did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. Now, there again, Paul's attributing the the events of life and the even the provision of necessities of life to God and to his interaction and to his caring and provision for us. Uh, Psalms 147 Verses 8 and 9 says, He covereth the heaven with clouds. He prepareth rain for the earth. He maketh grass to grow upon the mountains. He giveth to the beast his food and to the young ravens which cry. So there the psalmist is attributing these same sort of things to God. In Matthew chapter 10, verses 29 and 30, in a discussion of God caring for our needs, Jesus says, Matthew 10, verse 29 and 30, Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father, but the very head, hairs of your head are all numbered. And so God is knowledgeable about the world and the things going on in it, and he is active in the world. You know, the, the previous verses we read, Jacob, someone might argue that those, are, those would, not necessarily, would not necessarily mean constant involvement, although I think they do teach that. And I think the, the construction, the grammatical construction of the verbs, uh, of the verbs within those verses teaches his ongoing involvement, but someone might quibble that point. But this statement that you just read from Matthew chapter 10, Jesus said that a sparrow doesn't fall on the ground without the father's notice and that the hairs of your head are numbered, which would indicate constant involvement. The hairs of your head today are likely different than they were yesterday. You know, some of us have less hair day by day. And God keeps count of that. I mean, that, that's a pretty awesome statement about his all-knowing abilities. And, and I don't think that's any strain or, or God doesn't, you know, overexert himself but trying to keep up with how many hairs are. That just speaks of his unlimited ability to know and be involved, to keep track of, to be with us every moment of every day of our lives. That's what the Scripture is teaching. And it goes beyond us. In Daniel chapter 4, verse 25, it shows that that providence of God extends farther than just the personal level. In Daniel 4, verse 25, the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will. 
that there is a powerful statement saying that God is in control of uh, the political forces of the world. Yeah, and I think maybe we would like to investigate that a little more as our study goes on. Uh, we even ask the question, you know, if God is controlling affairs with uh, of men and nations, and that verse does. I mean, I, I think that's one of the of the plainer statements in Scripture concerning the fact that God is involved in international affairs among nations. We might ask the question, you know, we might reiterate the question, could we get in his way and and maybe prevent something that he intends to happen? Maybe we voted for the wrong candidate in the election, and maybe our vote or maybe the vote of a number of Christians combined put a person into office that God didn't really want in the office, and therefore we thwarted his intention uh, for what should happen. And uh, that's that's a question we want to keep out there, and we want to talk a little bit more about that. But clearly Daniel said that, notice again, a present tense ver- verb, he ruleth, the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. That's a pretty clear statement of his involvement. Well, and that goes along with Romans 13, verse 1, where we read, There is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. So those two verses are hand-in-hand hand there. They're parallel. Uh, God is in control. Let me throw out another question. Uh, see if we get somebody to respond to this one. If there's no power but of God and the powers that be are ordained of God, what does that say about, and I, th- I think we all agree that Romans 13 is descriptive of civil governments. Uh, what does that say about evil governments? Probably the classic example, example in our mind is that, for instance, of Nazi Germany. Did God put the Nazis in control of Germany? And did he, uh, therefore, uh, mandate or bring about all the the wickedness and the killing and all the inhumanity that was the Nazi regime. In other words, if if there's no power but of God and the powers that be are ordained of God, does that mean that God purposefully put evil people into power uh, and and therefore is ultimately responsible for the evil that they did? That's a that's a question I think that a lot of people have on their mind. Well we want to hear from you. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. The phone is open now and we want to hear from you, 877-381-4567, or questions at collegeview.com. We'll take a break and give you time to join in on the discussion. Stay tuned. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. I'm Greg Gwynn, a host of the Virtual Bible Study. Thanks for joining us for tonight's program. The Virtual Bible Study is presented weekly by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Each week on the Virtual Bible Study, we simply engage in the study of God's Word in an effort to better understand it, better understand how God views us, and better understand what He wants from us in our lives. We're not studying any creeds. We're not studying any books written by men. We're just studying the Bible. And we're trying to study the Bible alone without any of our opinions or wisdom mixed in. We're only interested in what our Creator has revealed to us in his word. We realize that we're fallible and cannot direct our own steps. As a result, what we think or feel doesn't really matter. All that matters is what God has said. So that's what the virtual Bible study is all about. It's pretty simple, isn't it? Thanks again for joining us tonight, and we hope you'll make plans to join us every Thursday night for the virtual Bible study. Hello, I'm Nick Law from Jennings, Florida. I love to listen to the virtual Bible study and hear God's word talk every Thursday night. 
Use your internet connection for something good. Listen to the Virtual Bible Study every week. Now, back to the program. And welcome back to the Virtual Bible Study tonight. As we talk about the providence of God, we're looking forward to your participation and your feedback. Let us know what you think about the providence of God at 877-381-4567 or email your questions or comments to questions at collegeview.com. The scriptures have numerous examples and numerous uh, references to the fact that God is involved in the affairs of mankind. He is involved in the weather. He's involved in the political forces of the world. And so we need to understand that. Let us know what you think about it. You know, before we get, I want to get to these emails that we're getting, Jacob, but before we go any further, Further into that, I would want to stress that while the the scripture certainly teach that he sends the sunshine and the rain and he takes care of the sparrows and he even knows how many hairs are on your head. Certainly it talks about his involvement in the physical affairs of life. But I believe it's clear the Bible stresses that God's principal interest in us and in our affairs has to do with our spiritual well-being. Uh, and providentially, he provides for that. 1 Peter 3, verse 12 says, For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of of the Lord is against them that do evil. Again, present tense verbs. His ears are open. His eyes are over. Uh, God, and, and, and it's the righteous who have that special blessing. Isn't it sort of funny and uh, maybe a little sad? Uh, Marcus called a couple of weeks ago to talk about uh, the way that uh, telemarketers or televangelists, uh, not much different than telemarketers, televangelists can uh, are focusing on the physical to get people to uh, pay money and to support them. And isn't it uh, interesting that we so often want to focus on the spiritual, I mean, on the physical and how God is providing for that when the most important thing in our lives is our spiritual well-being and how comforting it is to know that God is concerned and involved in our spiritual well-being. Exactly right. And there's plenty of statements from the scriptures that stress that. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Another one of those action words there that uh, the Lord is our helper, present tense. Uh, So we should see action there. Exactly right. Romans 8, verse 28, We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. And he even stresses, verse 32 of that chapter, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not... With him also freely give us all things. Lord, God cared enough to send his own son. We've got an email from Keith in in, uh, Lynchburg, Tennessee, and says concerning God's involvement or help in our lives, he says, if I understand the question, the best example of God's providence is in the offering of his son for a sacrifice to rid of our sins. Uh, Certainly, spiritual blessings through Christ Jesus are promised and that he's going to make those things available to us. Romans 8, 28 and 32. Um, some other statements, uh, back to the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. This is kind of interesting, Jacob. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, Matthew chapter 6, beginning verse 9, he said, After this manner, therefore pray ye, and we're all familiar with that model prayer that follows, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Notice, Jesus taught us to ask him provide physical blessings. But then he goes on and says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. There, which seems to be even a more significant part of the prayer, he says, 
Pray for him to assist you in spiritual matters. So Jesus in the model prayer said, yeah, pray for the physical, and God will answer those prayers. But especially pray for the spiritual, and God will answer those prayers. So God, Jesus promised God's involvement in those things. Yeah, he's alluding to, without necessarily calling it out, but he's alluding to the providence of God there with the physical and the spiritual, saying that you should pray for it, and God will intervene in both areas. Exactly right. And then uh, I think a real familiar statement to many of us is in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. There's no temptation taken you, but such is his common demand. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Notice, God is going to make. Temptations are going to uh, uh, arise, uh, but God will make a way to escape so that we can bear it. God's with us. God's going to assist in these sort of ways. So we should take great comfort in the fact that God is active in our lives spiritually and is concerned about our spiritual well-being and is active and uh, watching out and providing for us spiritually. It's a promise of God, and we need to have great confidence and comfort in that promise. Let us know your thoughts about the providence of God that is active, we believe, in our lives on an everyday basis. Let us know your thoughts about that, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. We're looking forward to hearing from you on the program tonight. Join in on the discussion. Jacob, you know, in, uh, we ask uh, the question, what is the best Bible example of providence? And we got several ex- uh, responders to that question. Um, some of them saw the same things that we're seeing as well. Uh, Jim from Mount Pleasant, Tennessee, said that he thought the the example of the Old Testament patriarch Joseph. Uh, Joseph tells his brothers that what happened in his case was a case of God's involvement or providence. You remember that story of, of Joseph in the Old Testament. His brothers had, uh, they were envious of him, jealous because he was his father's favorite, and they, they would have killed him, but actually you know, were sort of encouraged not to, and ultimately sold him as a slave. He ended up in Egypt. We remember that through a very unique set of circumstances, he came to be the second most powerful man in all of Egypt. Uh, it's The story of Joseph is really an interesting one. There's, most of all the things that happened to him were not miraculous. Now, there, there is the one uh, aspect of that story wherein Joseph was given the ability to miraculously interpret dreams. That was certainly miraculous. But so many of the things that happened to Joseph were not miraculous, were just just events that God was able to use to bring about his will. And finally, he had Joseph in this favored status, second most powerful man in Egypt. And when his brothers came down there, uh, Joseph said to his brothers, this is the verse that uh, Jim and Mount Pleasant references, uh, Genesis 45, verses 4 through 7. Joseph said to his brethren, come near to me, I pray you. And they came near, and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. Now, therefore, be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that you sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So Joseph, that's that's a great statement of providence there. Joseph said, it was God's will. God did this. God sent me here. All of this worked out. God was able to use it. Now, think about that. What his brothers did was evil. It was wrong. But God could even take the evil deeds of those men and 
and eventually work it around to accomplish what he intended to accomplish. And this uh, story brings out some important details about the providence of God. There wasn't, uh, well, maybe on the, the story where Joseph had the miraculous interpretation of the dreams, but there wasn't any point along the way where God was hitting Joseph in the face and saying, I'm, this is my providence at work here. But in retrospect, Joseph was able to look back and say God had planned these things out and had worked in his life in such a way to lead him to where they were. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that we see about providence is that you can't identify it at the time that it's happening. You cannot say with certainty at the time that providential things are taking place. You're not able to say this is God at work because, you know, uh, you can't distinguish these natural events as as mere happenstance or whether God is actually bringing about something to accomplish his will. That is the nature of providence. I think that's the thing that frustrates some people about providence is that we're not able to say with certainty. Now, in the scriptures, we can say with certainty because God gives us an inspired, sort of an inspired uh, uh, descriptive of it, or he, he explained or identified his his work uh, in, in the scriptures that way. But without the modern-day revelation, we would not be able to say to convince a doubter in any way God caused this to happen, but we can have confidence that it was him at work. Yeah, to some extent, though, but uh, when God is involved in blessing us and good things are happening in our lives, we can be confident of that, that that, that is from God. Yeah, I think that's right. But, again, to an unbeliever, you wouldn't be able to, an unbeliever could just say, well, you say it was God, I say it was just that's just chance. It happens to everybody. It happens to everybody. Um we also have an email from Steve here in Tennessee who writes uh, the best Bible example of God's providence at work. He also references the case of Joseph. And in chapter 50 of Genesis, he, he quotes uh, Joseph saying, But as for you, speaking to his brothers, but as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. And so, Steve, thanks for your email. He sees uh, Joseph as the great example. I think Steve is in West Tennessee tonight. I think that's right. Uh, Jeff has emailed in, and he references another Old Testament story, that of Esther in the book of Esther. Real interesting story. Uh, we remember that Esther, who was a Jewish woman, had actually become the queen of the Persian Empire by uh, sort of a unique uh, series of events. Uh, she was the queen of the Persian Empire, but it so happened that there was a man, a, a very evil man named Haman, who hated the Jews and devised a, a plan whereby the Jews would actually be annihilated, wiped out. And so... Uh, her near kinsman, Mordecai, came to Esther and said, you know, you need to speak up on behalf of the Jews. You need to, you need to show, uh, your identity and preserve us. And the famous quote there is in Esther chapter 4, verse 13 and 14. Then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? That last expression, especially there, Esther 4.14, who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Basically, Mordecai says, 
don't think that you're going to escape just because you're in the king's household. Uh, if you don't speak up, God's going to deliver the Jews some other way. Mordecai had confidence that God was going to fulfill his promises to the Jews. Uh, for instance, the promise of the Messiah still had to be kept. God's going to bring that to pass through the Jews. And so he said, God's going to bring deliverance. If you don't do it, he'll find another way to do it. Uh, but he says, it may very well be that you are where you are. For such a time as this. And you know, Jacob, that expression there by Mordecai is one of the things that we were just pointing about, pointing out about providence. Providence, by the very nature of it, is veiled to the recognition of people at the time when it's happening. Mordecai couldn't say for sure. Esther, you are where you are because God wanted you there at this time. He said it might be so. And that's what we have to say about God's providential acting in our, in our lives today. It may be so. We believe that it's so. By faith, we accept that it's so. But we can't prove to to the satisfaction of a doubter or unbeliever that it absolutely is so. And Mordecai, that famous expression there, who knoweth uh, whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. That's, a, I think, a great statement uh, also of God's providence. Thank you, Jason, for those comments tonight. And That was Jeff. That was that was Jason. Well, Jason brought – well, I was just oh, – uh, I, I first referenced Jeff – but Jason in Greensburg, Pennsylvania, has he also mentioned Esther as well. Yeah, yeah okay. he mentions Esther and quotes the same verse, Esther four fourteen. He also mentions a couple of other uh, episodes in the same time frame as Esther, that of Ezra and Nehemiah. Um, Ezra eight verse twenty two: The hand of God is upon all those for good who seek Him, but His power and His wrath are against all those who forsake Him. Ezra 8.31, the hand of our God was upon us, and he delivered us from the hand of our enemy and from ambush along the road. So as Ezra was leading some of the captives back from Babylonian captivity, he said God delivered them and kept them from being ambushed. Nehemiah said when he was uh, encouraging the Jews to, uh, uh, well, actually this is when he was making plans to go back to Jerusalem, and he spoke to the king. Uh, he said, uh, and, and got permission to go back. He said, you see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies waste and its gates are burned with fire. Come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. And I told them of the hand of my God, which had been good upon me, and also of the king's words that he had spoken to me. So they said, let us rise up and build. And they set their hand to this good work. Notice Nehemiah said the hand of God had been good to him. So Three, three stories there that are closely related in time. Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. Jason in Greensburg, Pennsylvania mentioned those as great examples of God's providence. Certainly so. What do you think about the providence of God? We want to hear from you at 877-381-4567. That line is open, and we're ready to take your call about the providence of God. You believe God's active in your life? How so? How do you believe God is active in your life today? Or do you believe we're wrong? Do you believe that God is not involved in our lives on a daily basis providentially? We want to hear from you on the phone or over email. Email your questions or comments to questions at collegeview.com. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The virtual Bible study continues after this announcement. Hi, I'm Wade Shelton. In 1 Peter 3.15, the scripture says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You see, we believe here at College View that we should be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh. And I believe that we are dedicated to this cause. 
That's why we here at College View bring you the virtual Bible study each week. Our hope is that you will join us each week here on the virtual Bible study in hopes of strengthening your faith so that you will be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. Please join us here every Thursday night on the virtual Bible study. I know that it's worth an hour of your time. I am Nestor Sanchez from Arica, Chile in South America, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. And this moment, I invite you to participate in this program, too. Gracias. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The virtual Bible study continues. And there was a verse of on providence right there, Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. Right, I think we read that a little earlier tonight, in fact. Yep. Let us know your thoughts as we talk about the providence of God. If you're just joining us on the program tonight, we're talking about God and how he is active in our lives. We want to hear from you at 877-381-4567 or via email, questions at collegeview.com. Jacob, you know, we've been kind of talking about the idea that you can't put your finger on providence to identify it at the time when it's happening. And there's an interesting story in the short little New Testament book of Philemon, um, there was a man named Onesimus who was a slave who apparently ran away or escaped from his master. His master's name was Philemon, and the, the letter is written to his master Philemon. It so happens, apparently, that this Onesimus, who had escaped or run away from Philemon, had ended up in Rome, and he had gotten into contact with the Apostle Paul while Paul was a prisoner there and was converted. And so Paul writes to Philemon, He's sending Onesimus back uh, to his master, and he, he sends along this letter uh, written to Philemon. And in Philemon, verse 10, he says, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds, which in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and me. And then he goes on to say, for perhaps he therefore departed for a season that thou shouldest receive him forever, not now as a servant, but above a servant, a brother beloved. And again, notice this. Here's even the inspired Apostle Paul who says, perhaps it was so that he left you, that he that even ran away from there, that now he, you could receive him back not just as a servant but as a brother. But notice Paul even has to speak with not definite certainty. He has to leave it in the, in the realm of things not absolutely provable. Perhaps, he says, that's why this happened the way it happened. And again, I think that's the way providence is. We can't identify it with great certainty. But it is not wrong for us to look at our lives like Paul did and say, perhaps that's what God had intended there. Yeah. I got a little bit longer email today from a friend uh, up in Indianapolis, Indiana. Bob wrote in, and Bob has just recently had some pretty serious surgery on his heart, had to have a heart valve repaired and was... Uh, you don't have to say pretty serious when you're talking about heart surgery. All heart surgery is pretty serious. Actually, this was very serious, very oh. complicated surgery, and he had to go to Cleveland Clinic, which apparently is the best place in the world to get heart surgeries done, and this was even a challenging surgery for them. But anyway, uh, uh, he says, uh, there were many times, he says, I uh, see, in every case, solutions turned out best. He talks about a number of things that happened. He says, note that I'm not using the term miracle as there was nothing supernatural about it. It was my readiness and willingness to accept the direction he was sending my way. I could have gone some other direction had I chosen to. The Bible says that he cares for plant life and for us. Why is it, why is it that hard to believe that as he'd send sun and rain at the proper interval for the plants, 
that he'd also provide timely help that we need too. We just have to be willing to accept it. As Job was questioned, I may not, likewise, I may not understand all that goes on in the universe, but I can believe that he cares for me personally, just as he says that he does. In concert with that, though, I have to believe that there's a purpose for keeping me at this time. Maybe that reason doesn't involve something this minute, maybe later. Uh, We'll see what time uh, has for me as time continues. There are several good things still coming my way. I think that will that will further convince me that it was his plan to get me well now, though. I really am filled with amazement at how all this came about for this time and in this way, and I'm not embarrassed to tell people of it. I'm going to give him the credit, and if he tells me that it was just luck later on, I'll not be disappointed. So he, Bob even points out, you know, he, he believe, he, he's, a, he's, a, he's a faithful Christian, and he believes that God was involved in the things that happened to, to affect uh, his case in, in regards to this heart surgery but he's ha- he's saying i'm going to give him the credit now if later on he tells me no that's that w- i was i didn't do that he said i won't be disappointed but for the time i'm going to give him credit for it i think that's the way we have to do with providence thank you for those comments tonight bob and uh, glad that you have recovered well from your surgery tonight 877-381-4567 questions at collegeview.com let us know what you think what about this providence of God? You know, it's not a subject we talk about very often, Dad, but it is a subject that, as we mentioned, I mean, there are numerous passages we mentioned tonight that address the idea of God's providence in our lives on a daily basis. We need to understand that God is active in our lives, and we need to be appreciative for that action in our lives. I think that's exactly right. Um, let's let's move the, the discussion in the direction of talking a little bit more about how God is involved in the affairs of nations, Jacob, and I think the Bible's pretty clear that that he in fact is involved in the affairs of nations. We already referenced Daniel chapter four twenty five, the most high ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth to whomsoever he will. But there's some other statements that also indicate that. Well earlier in Daniel chapter two verse twenty one, Daniel two verse twenty one, he changes the times and the seasons, he removeth kings and setteth up kings, he giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding how can you get around the, the simple wording of Daniel 2.21? He changes the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. Certainly is a picture there of a God who's active in the world. Yeah, Psalms 22.28, the New American Standard Version says, For the kingdom is the Lord's, and he rules over the nations. He rules, present tense, he rules over the nations. And someone who is ruling over nations would be in control of those nations. Yeah. Now, right there, let's 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 just take a little bit of a sidestep and ask. Go back to that question we posed earlier. What about evil nations? What about Nazi Germany? Is God responsible for their evil? Nobody wants to wade out in that water tonight. We haven't got any answers. No, on that nobody question. has answered that yet. If if you have a thought along that line, are we going to lay the responsibility for the evil deeds of the? Nazi regime at the feet of God. Uh, Why don't you call us and let us know what you think about yeah. that? The, I think the general rule, Jacob, the general rule about God's involvement in nations is what's stated in that familiar statement, Proverbs fourteen thirty four: Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. That's the general rule. Righteousness exalts a nation. And, and the general rule is the wicked will be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God, Psalm 9, verse 17. That's how he works among nations, uh, and that's what the outcome will be. You know, someone might ask uh, about um, 
our nation, what will become of our nation? Well, what will become of our nation is, is spelled out right there in Proverbs 14, verse 34. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And so as we continue down the path of, of more and more immorality and sin in our society and nation, we can expect that just as God has done throughout the history of time, wicked nations have been brought down. And we can expect, although we're not prophesying, we're not prophets, we don't have divine revelation, we don't have modern day at this moment revelation, but we have the example of God's historic dealing with nations, and his historic dealing with nations has been that he punishes wicked nations. And, uh, you know, the world around us is viewing America as an evil nation. Many uh, nations look at us as being uh, very wicked, and uh, that will be a reproach to us, certainly. We're waiting to hear from you at 877-381-4567, questions at collegeu.com. Nobody is excited about answering your question tonight. You, get, you, you, you threw out a stumper there. Give me that, let me give me that, that phone number one more time. 877-381-4567. You know the email address as well as questions at collegeview.com. What do you think? Is God responsible for the evil in the world? Is God responsible for the Muslim nations overseas that are looking for uh, to dis- destroy innocent people. What about that? Yeah, let's get a, let's get some input on that. But as we as we wait for that input, we could point out that that we know that God has historically uh, used nations to punish other nations. We know that He used Israel, for instance, to punish the wicked people who, when God sent the children of Israel into the Promised Land, He brought them out of Egypt and He brought them into the Promised Land. He was using them as a punishing agent to punish the wicked nations that at that time were occupying the land of Canaan. Uh, in Leviticus 18, verses 24 and 25, the law of the Lord through Moses was, Defile not yourselves in any of these things, for in all of these the nations are defiled, which I cast out before you, and the land is defiled. Therefore I do visit the iniquity thereof upon it, and the land itself vomiteth out her inhabitants. And so God there clearly identified that he was going to use the Israelites to punish the wicked nations that were presently occupying the land of Canaan. He uses righteous nations to punish evil nations. That's one thing that we know for sure. But we also know, which is a little bit, uh, a little bit more complicated, we also know that he has used wicked nations as his agents. For instance, the Assyrian Empire was a very wicked empire. Uh, even historical accounts indicate just how brutal and wicked they were. But we know that, that God used the Assyrians to punish the northern kingdom of Israel and carried them away into captivity. I think something on the order of 27,000 uh, of them were carried away. The nation itself was dissolved and never was reestablished. It says in Second Kings 18, verse 11, the king of Assyria did carry away Israel into into Assyria because they obeyed not the voice of the Lord their God, but trespassed his covenant and all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded and would not hear them nor do them. So, you know, Assyria was used by God. Assyria was a wicked nation. Assyria was more wicked than Israel, but God used Assyria to punish Israel. Later, about a century later, God used Babylon to punish Judah. Babylon, more wicked than Judah, but God used them. Notice in Jeremiah 25, verse 8, Therefore saith the Lord of hosts, Because ye have not heard my words, behold, I will send and take all the families of the north, saith the Lord, and Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant, 
will bring them against, and he will bring them against this land and against the inhabitants thereof and against all these nations around about and will utterly destroy them and make them an astonishment and a hissing. God said, I'm going to send the armies of Babylon. I'm going to send Nebuchadnezzar, who is my servant in this matter. And so he used wicked Babylon to punish Judah. Habakkuk, the prophet, even complained about that. In Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 13, he says, Why dost thou look with favor on those who deal treacherously? Why art thou silent when the wicked swallow up those more righteous than they? Uh, by inspiration, Habakkuk administered that complaint, and God answered him. And basically, I won't take time to read this, but in chapter 2, he, he basically says, well, I'm going to take care of Nebuchadnezzar ultimately, too. I'm using him now, and I'll take care of him later. And then we know, of course, that's what he did. So uh, we know that God rules in the affairs of nations, and we can historically see how he's used nations against other nations as his agent, righteous nations against wicked nations, but and even wicked nations against righteous uh, God can use all things to accomplish what his purposes are. Throw your question out one more time as we go into our last break, and we'll give you time to answer this question. Give us that question one more time. What about the idea of, of wicked nations? Now, we just said God sometimes uses wicked nations to accomplish his will. Does, does he make them wicked? Did he purposefully put wicked people in place? Uh, we just talked about Assyria. We just talked Babylon. We could talk uh, in, in more recent times, what about Nazi Germany? Did God cause them to be evil, and did he purposely put evil people in place? What do you think about that? It looks like we got one taker on your question, and we'll have to add to that. Let us know your thoughts on that question or any question or comment about providence and the providence of God. As we take our last break, join in 877-381-4567 or questions at collegeu.com. We'll be right back. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. I'm Tom Goodall, a member of College View Church of Christ. Do you have a question about what has been said on the virtual Bible study tonight? Perhaps you disagree with something that was said or would just like more information about what you've heard. If so, we'd love to hear from you. Please contact us with any questions or comments that you might have. Email us at questions at collegeview.com and we can discuss any of your questions or comments with you privately or over email. Or if you would like to speak with someone in person, call us at 931 381 Our promise to you is that we'll do our very best to give you a Bible answer for anything that we do or teach, and that we will do so in a loving manner. So if you have any questions or comments about our program tonight or any Bible subject, email us at questions at collegeview.com or call 931-381-4567. Thanks for listening to tonight's virtual Bible study, and we hope to hear from you soon. Hello, my name is Kent Bumgarner. My family and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. Please join us. Broadcasting around the world with truth that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. And we are broadcasting around the world on the Virtual Bible Study tonight. We appreciate you joining us for the important discussion on the program tonight. We're talking about the providence of God, and we want to hear from you. There's time to take your questions or comments at 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Jacob, uh, Jason in Greensburg, Pennsylvania, has... has, uh, stepped up to the question of did God put evil people in power? Um, He says if God did put Hitler into power, didn't Hitler still have his own free will that he himself would be accountable for? I think he's right on the. I think he's right on target here, Jason. I agree with you. He goes on and says, God used the king of Babylon to punish the Jews, but when the king of Babylon himself became proud and thought that he got all of his territory himself, God punished Babylon also. 
God used an evil nation to punish the Jews, but the king of Babylon was still held accountable for his choices and sins. And I think that is, is, is right to the question here. God can use evil people to accomplish his will. And we see that. We saw that in the case of Joseph and his brothers. What his brothers did was evil, but God could still use it to ultimately accomplish what he wanted to be done. In regards to that statement in Romans 13, verse 1, the powers that be are ordained of God. There is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. That's a troubling verse to some people, but here I think is the best way to try to understand that. What about the marriage institution? God ordained the marriage institution. Marriage is of God. Marriage is ordained of God. Well, that means that the husband-wife relationship is by God's design and ordination. Now, what about if you find a husband who's just a terrible husband? He's mean and abusive, neglectful. Does that reflect upon God, that God ordained marriage? No. God ordained marriage and 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 established the right rules that would govern marriage. The fact that men don't always comply to what God ordained is just simply indicative of the rebellious nature of men. In the same way, God ordained the notion of civil government. And when you find an evil government, be it Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon or Adolf Hitler in Germany, that does not negate the fact that God ordained a good plan for the well-being of mankind. And so, uh, no, he's not accountable for the evil of evil empires. He sometimes uses them to accomplish his purposes, but he also punished them, as Jason said in his email. So maybe the easiest way to remember that, I think, to me anyway, is to think of marriage. God ordained a good thing. Now, that's not that. That's not to say that all men always comply with the good thing that God planned. In the same way God ordained governments, it's a good thing. Men don't always comply with his will. All right, we asked one other question on our survey for tonight, and that was, if God is in control of things in the world, is there any danger that we could somehow interfere with God's plan? Specifically, if God is in control of leaders who is leading certain areas of the world, is there any danger that we could be interfering with God's plan? Maybe God wants someone to be elected president next year, and would we be interfering with God's plan if we voted? Or would we be interfering with God's plan if we prayed for a certain leader to be successful when God uh, didn't want them to be successful? Is there a danger that we could be interfering with God's plan by our actions here on this earth? We asked that question. Jim in Mount Pleasant has responded. He said, does God work providentially today, and might we be in danger of interfering? Yes, he does work providentially today. And no, we are not in danger of interfering. Who can stop God? He references Romans 8, verses 21, 28 through 31. 30, Romans 8, verse 31 specifically says, What shall we say then of these things? If God be with us, who can be against us? And so Jim says there's no danger of interfering with God's plan. Jim, uh, Steve in West Tennessee says, God still works providentially today, although we may be unknowing about it. Often it was not until after the fact that God's providence was realized, i.e., Joseph's conclusion in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20 that we've already referenced. We can sometimes deduce the same in some of our life situations. We may think that we can interfere with God's providence through our actions, but the scriptures have shown time and time again that God will use the decisions made by righteous and unrighteous men to bring about his will without violating the free will that he gave each of us. It is important that we exercise righteous judgment and make wise decisions. 
God's will will be accomplished regardless of our decisions. He says, see Esther 4, verse 14, where we read, shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. And so Steve says basically that uh, God's plans will be accomplished one way or the other. We cannot interfere with God's plans. Jason's in, in, Greenberg, in Greensburg, Pennsylvania, says one way that he works in the life of Christians is by answering prayer. Also, whenever we're going through trials, God can providentially use that to help us grow closer to him. He references Romans 8:28. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to, the, to those who are called according to his purpose. The only way that I can see we could interfere with what the Lord is doing in the world today is by sin. If we are striving to follow the Lord in all the things we do, we will make decisions that are in line with his will. We need to remember Paul's admonition in Colossians 3.17, Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. There is always a danger of interfering with God's plans when we do not seek his wisdom and guidance when we make decisions. Well, I think that's true concerning our personal lives. In other words, God has a plan for our lives, and it's for our good. We could interfere with his plan by not complying with his will. But in regards to us, in, in, in the bigger question, in other words, could I, could I interfere with God's grand scheme of things for, for the world? No, I'm not going to stop his purposes. Even if I'm wicked and disobedient, as we've referenced from the scripture several times, God can use the deeds of wicked men to ultimately bring about his will. So that, that, that's just the one little caveat I would make to that statement all right if it's god's will our actions will not interfere with it um, but uh, we have to be careful about our sin and then jeff in north carolina says while there's a danger we could be in opposition to god there's no danger we're going to upset his plans just as we could be in opposition to god and his will but god's will will prevail he references acts chapter 5 verse 39 where some wicked men make an observation about god's will but it is a true observation where they said, but if it be of God, ye cannot overthrow it, lest happily we, uh, we, ye be found even to fight against God. And so those wicked men said, if God is behind it, there's no stopping it. So we appreciate Jeff for those comments tonight. And Don in Antioch, Tennessee, tonight says, I believe that God's plans include the means, and I do not believe that we can do anything to interfere with his plans. Well, God's going to bring about his will. Uh, and I, I'm not. I think that's. I, I believe that to be true, and I, I, I'm assuming that's what Don has reference to there. I, I, I believe that we cannot. You know, the question we ask: If I voted for the wrong candidate, am I somehow getting in God's way of doing what He wants? No, I can't interfere with His will in that sense. And but if we have to be careful about that. We're talking about the means. If God uses someone who is evil to accomplish His will, that doesn't mean that God is responsible for the evil. Some people, some religious people who would call themselves Calvinists will take it to an extreme and say that even God is the one who caused Jesus to be crucified on the cross, that God was responsible for the crucifixion of Christ. That's and, right. And that would be t- taking that idea too far and would cause God to be guilty of sin. Exactly right. Uh, we got one other email here from uh, Keith in Lynchburg, Tennessee. He says, I think that... God does act in our lives every day, even though it is most of the time unseen. I don't think we can interrupt God's plan for us or the world. If he wants something to be done, we should be like Job and be thankful for what we have, even if he has removed everything we have. And so Keith says, now we can't interfere with God. We've got an email come in from Arthur in Cullioca, Tennessee. He says, man's a free moral agent and a violation of God's will has consequences. 
I think that goes to the question we were asking about, you know, is God responsible for evil empires? Uh, we got an email from Don and uh, Donald in Yukon, Oklahoma. Uh, no questions, he says, but enjoying the show for the first time. Well, we're glad you found us, yeah. Donald. Thank you for being out there, Don, uh, in Oklahoma. And uh, tell others about the virtual Bible study. Then we've got one more email. This is Keith also. Keith has sent in another email from Lynchburg. He says, on your question about the Nazis, evil is simply the absence of good. I believe that he allowed the Nazis to gain power in order to wake other nations to this. He allowed the Romans for a reason, even though they had a hand in putting his son to death. God uses, I, I think I would explain that to say God uses evil. He He doesn't. And he allows, I mean, he allows people to have choice. Uh, Keith used the expression there, he allowed the Nazis to gain power. God allows people to make evil choices. And he can even use those evil choices to bring about what he wants to do. God doesn't, though, directly cause the evil. And I think uh, Keith would agree to that. All right. As we talk about the providence of God, there's one verse that I want to talk about before we conclude the program tonight. Psalm 106, talking about the children of Israel in the land of Egypt and in the wilderness as they were on their way to the promised land. Psalm 106, verse 7. Our fathers understood not thy wonders in Egypt, and they remembered not the multitude of thy mercies, but provoked him at the sea, even at the Red Sea. Talking about the children of Israel there, said they did not understand God's deeds in the land of Egypt, and certainly the children of Israel should have been observant enough to understand that God was active and providing for their deliverance. They didn't understand that. They didn't remember it. And as a result, they were easily led astray in the wilderness. Certainly the same could be true for us in our lives. If we don't understand God's working in our lives, we don't remember the things that he has done for us providentially, don't you believe that Satan would have the upper hand in helping us to sin? I think that's right. In other words, one of the things that should be a great help to us is God's promise of present help. In Philippians chapter 4, uh, it says, "Be care- Philippians 4 verse 6, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The, the, the constant remembrance and acknowledgement of the fact that God has promised to help us, uh, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15 says, let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Those kind of promises should keep us going. If we forget them like the Israelites forgot, then we're going to make some mistakes. And how many times do we pray for help and, uh, and guidance in certain situations and God answers that prayer? But how often do we stop and realize, look back on it and say, God answered that prayer there? You know, and, and again, he's not going to answer those prayers miraculously. So the way, in other words, if I'm praying as as Hebrews 4.15 says, that I should pray for help in time of need. So I pray for help. I'm in need. I, I, I have a need, maybe a spiritual need. Maybe I'm feeling a, a particular weakness. And some brother says something that tends to wake me up or encourage me or get me going again. And then I don't even stop to realize, you know, that was an answer to prayer. We didn't. God's not going to answer miraculously, but he, he may very well have caused that situation. And so then the next know. time we pray, we begin to think, well, I don't know if it's going to do any good, so, but I'll pray anyways. And eventually there's no faith in, in prayer. We're just going through the motions because we don't stop to realize God's providence in our and, lives. And, and, and that some of that goes to the fact that we cannot, as we've said over and over again tonight, we cannot identify in the moment when it's happening, we cannot identify that this is God at work, but God does work.
And we need to have confidence and faith in that. Well, thank you for the discussion tonight, Dad. A beneficial discussion about God's providence. Thank you, Jacob. Enjoyed it. And thank you all for being out there listening to us tonight. If you enjoyed the discussion, why not tell a friend? Have them to join you next week at the same time on the virtual Bible study when we'll be back to discuss God's will with you, Lord willing. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study his inspired word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the virtual Bible study brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.